0: Hi, everybody. My name is Rob Scott from UC Today, and in this session, I'm joined by Vaughn Klein, Director and Leader of Collaboration at Cisco. And today we'll be discussing the future of work and what organizations need to consider as we continue forward in this unpredictable landscape. Vaughan, always a good place to start. Just tell, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do at Cisco, please.
1: Mm. Uh, so. I started with Cisco back in January of 2000. Uh, so I've been with the business for a very long time. Uh, and I came up through the Australian organisation uh, to lead the EMEA business, uh, Europe, Middle East, Africa, and Russia. I arrived in the UK uh, in this role just 18 months ago. It's gone very, very fast, obviously been uh, an extraordinary period of time. Um, and almost all of that time, you know, collaboration focused. So. I represent an architecture, what Cisco refers to as an architecture, which is the collaboration architecture group, um, which is, this is all we do, you know, real-time communications, voice, video, messaging. uh, And, um, you know, we have a team of dedicated, a large team of dedicated personnel that handles our customers and our partners for all of their real-time communication needs.
0: Great stuff, thanks, Paul. this is a really interesting discussion today. And so I wanted to kind of just set the scene to start with. And so, my first question for you was kind of, you know, what have we learned as a result of this pandemic so far? Uh, what are you seeing from your
1: perspective? Wow. Uh, it's been an extraordinary period of time. The last 90 days, 120 days, uh, you know, unprecedented uh, in the 20 odd years that I've been involved in. IP telephony, unified communications and collaboration. Uh, Rob, um, we saw four times the number of users join our WebEx platform, as had been the case in February to you know, what's currently being utilised across EMEA uh, at this particular point in time, which is an extraordinary uh, uptake. Um, and it, uh, it really was an amazing thing because many, many years ago, if I reflect all the way back to when we first commenced the journey around IP telephony, uh, our, our CEO at the time, a gentleman by the name of John Chambers, said, you know, voice would be free. Uh, and, of course, that was, uh, that was met with derision uh, and uh, um, a lot of people said, well, that would never happen. But, of course, we, we live in an environment now where voice is an application on the network um, and uh, largely runs for free. And then about 10 years ago, uh, our CEO then said, video is the new voice. And, again, there was some derision about that. Um, But, if anything, we've seen in the last 90 days that, in fact, video is the new voice. We saw over a 9,000% increase in video utilisation on our WebEx platform around the world. And it seems quite strange these days, I think, to sit and have a conversation with an audio-only style environment, particularly when we're in our home. So the video bit has been the most extraordinary uh, outcome, I think, now that everybody's turned their cameras on. Um, and we've we've learnt to, to get along and to be comfortable visually and to be comfortable with people having a window in our home to be comfortable in conducting business you know with the dog and the children that have been home uh, or you know while trying to eat our noodles at lunchtime you know we've we've had this sort of window that some people could argue has actually you know bonded uh, our workplaces our digital workplaces together more than perhaps. It was when we we're all in the office. We've sort of had this window on people that we wouldn't ordinarily have seen, and the sense of connection, as a result of having uh, virtual uh, uh, delivery, has actually gone up. Um, so realistically, you know, the, the the workplace will never be the same again. Uh, would be the sort of summation of uh, of what we've seen over the past 90 to 120 days.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it, with the whole kind of virtual collaboration piece and and how we're we're now really almost overnight, you know, getting used to using video and virtual collaboration tools uh, Mm. like like WebEx. Um, Mm -hmm. So I suppose what remains to be seen is kind of how will virtual collaboration uh, spaces, you know, sit with you know, with or alongside physical spaces going forward. What's your yeah. view on that?
1: Hmm. So there's a, there's a few things uh, to consider. Uh, you know, we, we sort of see three phases to organisations assessing what they now need, you know, post the pandemic. Um, the, amidst the pandemic, the first thing that drove everything was was continuity. How do we continue to conduct business immediately? Um, and so, you know, we turned our laptop cameras on. Done, uh, and and we're able to transact business, and it opened up a whole raft of opportunity um, for us to work in a different way. Um, that provides the second bit, which is sort of the agility of it, you know. Have we got the necessary agility within our platforms to do all of these things with the laptop camera? And we'd also like to do a whiteboard. Uh, we'd also like to share a document. We'd like to edit that document. We need to do all of those sorts of things. So the first phase was continuity. The second phase is to ensure that the platform that we're choosing has an aspect of, of agility. And then the third phase of it, which is the workplace is ubiquity. There's gonna be an expectation that we have the same level of experience that we do when we do return to the office, albeit that I think it'll be in shorter timeframes per week, um, uh, as we have at home. So we want that ubiquity of experience. The idea that people are going to remain comfortable for eight hours a day staring into a laptop is probably not feasible in our mind. It's quite exhausting and quite difficult and doesn't provide an optimum environment. So the sorts of experiences that we used to generate in the office in the meeting rooms is the same sort of experience we're gonna to wanna to generate at home. And we're gonna get that ubiquity through. So continuity, agility, and ubiquity are the things that we're looking at and we're talking to our customers about. And now that they've got through the urgency, they're now reflecting on those matters to say, so how do we do this properly? Um, the other thing that I think will be a definite outcome is, is I. I'm very glad uh, that I'm not in the corporate real estate industry at the moment, Rob. I think we'll see a lot of organisations shrink their physical footprint. Um, you know, they're going to they're say, well, if everybody's comfortable at home and wishes to continue with elements of their work that is at home, then we're not going to need as much footprint or floor space uh, in our expensive offices, so we're going we're gonna to see those shrink most definitely. Um, but I think when we do get to the office, that won't be for individual work. It won't require a desk. We're gonna do our individual work, our thinking work at home. When we come to the office, it's gonna be the purpose that we need to see people and we need to meet with people. And so yeah, what we'll see is a shrinking of the real estate footprint, sorry, and a doubling of the number of meeting rooms. Sorry, over to you, Bob.
0: No, I was just gonna say, that's a really interesting point that, you know, actually I always kind of look at this workers in, you know, you've got shallow shallow work and deep work or focused work. And actually mm-hmm. I do my best focus work when I'm at home. But actually if I want to do teamwork, then you know I need to be in a team environment and maybe that's that's the workplace. So mm-hmm. that's really interesting. And and you know, almost it's kind of a what I've been hearing is like a, this hybrid world um where <laughs> you know the We'll be working between virtual and uh, physical spaces, but that, it's really interesting. So, how do you think people, are, you know, work employees are, are going to adapt um, to this kind of new way of working?
1: Mm. And, and I think this is the important part. I mean, we've been very fortunate at Cisco in the in the environment that we have. We've been able to make decisions about where we want to work from from the outset essentially. Um, you know, we've had the, the, the power of Webex within our organisation and we've been flexible in our work arrangements from the beginning. And most recently we were voted the number one place to work from a uh, 100 million employee surveys. So, you know, that that flexibility is an important part of you know, what we offer Cisco employees. And I think what the pandemic has done is now everybody's caught on to that aspect. And so Now, the question is for the individual to determine where they wanna spend their time. If they were a 100%, you have to be in the office organization, they will find, I think, that they'll have less. You might say, well, I only wanna be in the office 75% of the time, I wanna do 25% at home. Some people might flip it and say, I actually only wanna spend 10% in the office and 90% of my time at home. Everybody will find the parameters that best suits them and their work style, their job, and that may even change from week to week. You may have a week of you know, focused work where you need to be away from people in order to complete a particular project, but then you need to convey that project and have a week in the office. The point is, it's not all of one or all of the other. It's somewhere in the middle and the individuals will have the capacity now to calibrate uh, what their experience for, with their workplace will be. Um, the important part is just to ensure the fact that at no point in time, uh, is that experience derided? So, so if the home environment does not provide a collaboration platform that resembles and reflects an environment that they would and they would ask for and need in their in their office environment, then then, then there's a failing. Um, and we've been really focused on that. We called it better than being there. Um, and the best way I can describe it is, if 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 you think about sports, uh, think about your favourite sport. Um, And you want to go and see that sport live, Rob. you, 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 You go to the game, the atmosphere is there, all the people are there, the players are there, you know, there's nothing quite like being there, being live in the environment. But of course, you can't always Go to the game. We can't always get to the office, or we can't be in the office in in New York, you know, or we can't be in the office in Amsterdam. We're going to be doing that in a remote situation. And if we take that sporting analogy and see what's happened with uh, with uh, the the TV aspect of that, which is when I'm at home and I can't be live at the game, I get an experience that arguably is better than being there. I get expert reporters. Uh, telling me about the game that are you know, former captains of the size. I get slow motion replays. I get the play of the day. I get stats on other games that are going on at the same time that might have a, a ramification on what's going to happen in this game at the end of it. And so we're really, really focused to ensure that that ubiquity of experience exists between office and home. And in fact, there are certain elements about the fact when you're working at home that reflects something that is better than being actually in the office. And that's where our cognitive play comes about. We've been working on this for uh, nearly two years now, where we provide nameplates, f- facial recognition, we, we provide a, a uh, insights column where we have a look at the person who we've identified in the video and we go to the internet and we get all of the publicly available information about that individual and we put that on the screen at the same time. Um, so that you know a little bit about that person, you can see that person, and even if they're moving around the room, their name tag moves with them. These are all aspects of us creating an environment that's better than being there. And while the pandemic has accelerated it, it's always part of our uh, direction in terms of the development in any case. So we just see amplification of uh, those things that we're working on becoming very, very important. the other aspect of that, of course, is what we think is going to be important in the workplace is the idea of contactless collaboration, whereby you're not going to want to touch, you know, filthy screens and things in rooms uh, and start your meetings. You're going to want to be able to use voice activation in order to make that work. You, you know, you will say the trigger words, and I won't say it now because it will trigger <laughs> this uh, WebEx session. But you will say your trigger words and then say, "Start my meeting," um, because I'll have walked into the room it'll recognise who I am, it will have had a look at my calendar, it'll know that I need to have a meeting, and it will give me the option to say, would you like me to start my meeting? Yes, start my meeting. And we'll do that all utilising our voice and not putting our grabby little hands uh, all over video equipment uh, in the office or at home. So contactless collaboration, again, which is part of our cognitive framework, we think is also going to become really important. And then if we extend that idea just a little bit further, which says, well, with an open API with my voice, I can change the lights. I can change the air conditioning. I can actually control that entire environment and extend it further, which is given the fact that we're doing uh, room utilization measurement now, we we will tell you how many people are sitting in a particular meeting room because of the intelligence that we built into our cameras. Well, a meeting room that used to sit eight people might now as a result of distancing only be allowed to sit four people And we'll be able to actually trigger something and say, you've got too many people in the room. You need to use social distancing and put four people in another room because this room no longer can accommodate eight. So these are all of the things that are sort of inbuilt on the platform that will start to get uh, innovation to enable these changes.
0: That's really interesting. And, And, you know, you. I was going to ask you kind of, you know, more around um, how business the organizations might need to adapt as well. But I mean, if they've got these technologies, and, and you've got, mm. them to, you know, to invest in, then mm. really that, you know, they are, dare I say, pandemic friendly features, you know, that where you can get away with, you know, you can deal with the social distancing, and you can deal with it, you know, not having to touch the equipment and that kind of thing. Mm. I think it's truly innovative and a fantastic application of the technology. So, in terms of um, any other changes, do you think the workplace might might need to adapt to accommodate these new work styles? Is there anything else that you think you know really going
1: to really going to need to be thought about? You know, going forward. I think all of those aspects that we discussed, Rob. And I think an, an example, an example, and that is uh, pre COVID, Cisco was already. Uh, enacting the principle of reducing their real estate footprint by fifty percent and doubling the size of their meeting rooms, we'd already started this journey. And the interesting thing to note is when you do that, the uh, the the employee engagement scores went up. Um, so while we're saying. You no longer have your own desk. The the environment in the office is more for you to get together and resolve issues uh, and innovate. Um, uh, We saw our employment scores go up. We actually saw our badge in rates in terms of the number of people coming into the office actually went up when we reduced the amount of space there was, but we doubled the number of meeting rooms. It's the meeting room technology that really makes it work. Um, And part of that is uh, because we doubled the number of meeting rooms with the technology, there was no scarcity of resource. What happens with most organisations is, is meeting rooms with video technology will get booked and nobody will turn up uh, and they might be booked weeks out in advance and there's somebody desperately trying to find a meeting room in order to conduct an important meeting, but they're all, you know, showing as, you know, we're all in in, in use and we know that they're not. Well, that that habit is because of scarcity we booked the room because we're not sure we'll ever be able to get a room. But if you double the number of meeting rooms and you make a good proportion of them, as much as half again, non-bookable, people then know that they'll always be able to grab a room, fire up a video unit, have a conversation, bring three or four people in. And so it's a very, very different dynamic uh, when you move to double the meeting rooms, half the size, and then make half of those meeting rooms non-bookable, and you reduce the, the scarcity of the resource. And so that people are actually able to relax and they know they've got a room and they know they've got the best technology and they're actually able to use them. So look out for that. The, the way that we deal with human nature and scarcity actually being dealt with in the way that we schedule and use meeting rooms.
0: Yeah, and technology you know, plays a major role in, in making all that work, doesn't it? You know, with those new mm. workspaces, workplaces. Uh, so mm. it's really interesting to see how 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 offices will adapt and change going forward. Um, Final question for you today, Vaughan. Um, I'd I'd like to kind of ask you kind of around what role technology plays in the digital workplace and kind of what advice you would give to leaders looking at platforms and providers in this
1: this space right now? Yeah, Yeah. so I think the hottest topic at the moment, despite the fact that can we Can we work from anywhere? Okay, yes, we've proven that that's possible. Um, The very quick second aspect of that is, now that we've got an organisation's, you know, unique differentiation, it's intellectual property, transversing the internet and the network everywhere, how do we secure it? So the aspect of security becomes a very, very important conversation. Um, And uh, whereas previously, you know, involved in, assessing and consulting with customers about their needs collaboration was big but security wasn't brought into the same conversation it was a separate conversation now it's now it's the same thing so i think as they assess their platforms they will do or should do have security as one of their key objectives in sort of how do we secure this environment another aspect of this which is a little bit old school, uh, Rob, and that is the first thing that happens whenever a collaboration session goes poorly is people put their hands on their heads and they say, oh, what's wrong with my network? (laughs) The network actually determines the type of experience that you're going to generate. And so be sure to assess your network. And to make sure that it has that aspect, obviously we're a networking organization, you know, the network is largely invisible to users, but actually for those people that are providing the service, there's a a really important part of that. And you saw actually in an acquisition, maybe 10 days or so ago, uh, we bought an organization called uh, Thousand Eyes. Thousand Eyes is actually about us having visibility on the performance of the internet you know, right down to your line in your home, how's that performing? Because we very, very quickly saw when all of the utilisation and everybody got sent home, how important that last mile is and how we need to be able to watch and maintain and control that uh, in order to deliver the best experience. And so we immediately uh, put forward a significant sum to acquire uh, 1,000 eyes in order to handle that network aspect. Um, And you'll see from us in the next 90 days, you know technology that's enabling us to to double the definition of the video quality, but actually deliver that at half the bandwidth as well. So security is really important. networks really, really important. Obviously the user experience is paramount but can't be compromised by those two previous things, so the user experience is going to be really, really important. And this aspect of have the user experience uh, uh, cognitive, have it have it operate in such a way, that it's actually asking for verbal cues uh, on things that it already knows that you want and need. Uh, And that's right down to, you know, our our Voicea acquisition. Um, We can actually transcribe an entire meeting now automatically in multiple languages, and you can actually ask it to take, take notes you can use the trigger words to say take an action and it'll take actions for you. And so you'll never actually have to take notes in a meeting again. And we're using our cognitive technology in order to do that. So I think there's three pretty good platforms there. Security is important. Um, the network's really, really important. And the UX is important, but not just, you know, nice buttons. It's actually what is the what is the artificial intelligence being built into the platform that enables us to, to go above and beyond what we'd usually expect.
0: Fantastic one. Some great takeaways there. Um, It's been really good good speaking to you today. Uh, Thanks for sharing some great insights with us. Um, Thanks to everyone for watching. If you've enjoyed today's session, please do give us a quick like or a share on social media. It's always appreciated. But for now, thanks for watching.